Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. But those we love the most often bring out the worst in us. I don't know what it is about family. The hardest thing for me is um, when I see my sons who are grown adults making mistakes and I know they're wrong. And I think because I did the same mistakes and I want so bad to, to, how do I say, in my head, what I do is I'm already thinking about how am I going to say this? How's this going to come out? How do I use tact? By the time it gets from my mind to my mouth, it comes out and it's like, oh, it comes out. And when it comes out, it's, it's usually controlling, overbearing, judgmental, even with the right intention. Anybody relate? Oh, man, every time, and I try to say it in a different way, and it's crazy because God gives us so many different examples. Um, how many of you have read Job? Read the book of Job? If you have, you want to get some time to read that. And I heard a funny uh, commentary, and these pastors were talking about the book of Job and how Satan took everything away from him. Cause, uh, and he said, you know, if you take his family away, he'll curse God, and took his family away, and he didn't curse God, and then he had riches, it took his that away, and then he was, uh, he was plagued with boils, and he didn't curse God, but he didn't take his wife away, and he was saying, you know, and he, he said, I can imagine just the demons with Satan, you know, saying, hey, you know, you forgot one person, take her away, and he goes, oh, I know exactly what I'm doing, because what his wife did is she demeaned and demasculated him, made him feel worth nothing to get him to curse God. And maybe you're in this place and you've done those things at different times. And in Job 2.9, he says, his wife tells him, are you still maintaining your integrity? Why don't you just curse God and die? Have you ever heard that? When someone is trying to do everything right and someone comes alongside you, like, what are you even doing that? Why? Does God even hear you? The people we love the most, we hurt the most at times. Deuteronomy 30.19, we're going to be reading that and what it is is um, God for the first time made a covenant with the children of Israel and if you don't know what that covenant it means a contract he made a contract he said you know I'm it's it's set it's sealed this is what I'm going to do and we're going to talk about that but before we go into the scripture I just got an eye contact I really wanted to um, give a clap offering to my brother uh, Christian he's a second lieutenant in the marines and he's going to be deployed soon so if you can stand first First lieutenant. Oops. So I wanted to thank him. I love my little brother. He paid for dinner last night. He's awesome. <laughs> you go, boy. So uh, Deuteronomy 30, uh, 19, it says, Today I am giving you a choice of two ways, and I ask heaven and earth to be witnesses of your choice. You can choose life or you can choose death. The first choice will bring a blessing. The other choice will bring a curse. So choose life, then you and your children will live. When you look at the word live, it means effective, prosper. 
He's giving you a choice. Choose you this day what you will do. You can choose death if you want, or you can choose life. For the past few weeks, we've looked at important things we need to highlight in our family to bring um, out the best in our family. We, we looked at the extraordinary, bring out the extraordinary. Two is bring out the truth. Three is bring out maturity. Four is bring out obedience. Today, we're gonna, it's going to be the end of our series And today, more than anything, I love this topic. It's bringing out the unconditional love. Because the world has rejected that. It has conditions. And some of you in this place have probably done the same thing. See, love everyone needs and expects. I can expect it, but giving it is hard. You think about how many times have you disobeyed, showed up late, ignored, turned your back on God... But if somebody does it to you, it's on. But we've done it, right? We've done it in our, but but you can't do that to me. The definition of unconditional love is love without conditions, unmerited favor with no restrictions, unchanging, love without no ifs or buts. I don't love you if you, I mean, I'll love you if you take out the trash. I'll love you if you're good to me. I'll love you if you treat me good. It's unconditional love, unmerited favor. You don't deserve it, but we get it anyway. We don't think of it that way. The problem is, is we are programmed to love, to be conditional, to expect something in return for our love. What does God's unconditional love mean and doesn't mean? We don't earn his love by fulfilling a set of conditions. He loves us not because of who we are, but because of who he is. 1 John 4, 8. It says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. You know, I hear people give different interpretations at time. Anybody want to give a different interpretation? It's straight out, isn't it? So why can't you love unconditional? It's right there. If you love God, you need to love his people. And we, it, something that we struggle with. Have you ever heard this? Have you ever heard people say, and I've heard it, I love God, but I hate his people. Ever heard that? Me and God have a thing going on, but I hate his people. It is impossible in God's eyes. God's uncond- unconditional love doesn't mean God doesn't judge sin or that people won't have to suffer the consequences of their sin. There is a hell. Nobody will go there because God doesn't love them. If you go there, it's a choice. On the contrary, they will go there because they have willingly chosen to reject his love. This is freely offered to them in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. It's offered to you in his sacrifice. To love unconditional. God never stops loving you even when he is pouring out his judgment or his anger. You know that it's unchangeable? Even in the midst of your rebellion... If you're a chronic relapser, if you continue to fall on the same behavior, his love is unwavering, you will reap a consequence. And I hear people say this all the time. I don't know why God allows this to happen. But when you take an honest inventory of yourself, things happen because a lot of times they're choices we've made. Not all the time. Some of them aren't. But there are some things that have happened 
because of choices we've made. You know, I know that this is going to be a good message because the enemy tried everything to shut me up. <laughs> everything. In just two weeks, and pastor asked me to do this message, my water heater busted. I was taken out of my home for 10 days, had to stay in a hotel, and it was disgusting, and I thought it was going to be a good hotel. And then my rotary cuff uh, tore. I had to be rushed to ER on Wednesday, and I'm still walking around, like everything, still limping, and the devil's not going to, I got to say this message. Still going, still trooping. I had, a, you know, my son struggling with some things right now. I had to get, go and get him some help. All these things, everything to shut this up because there's a message for you this morning. There's something God wants you to hear. Jeremiah 31.3, it's not, you don't have it on your outline. It says, the Lord appeared to us in the past and he said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have loved you. And it doesn't mean that I used to love you. He's like reminding you, I have loved you with an everlasting love. It's unchangeable, unmovable. Although God loves no matter what we do wrong, what we do wrong still matters to him. He still loves us. You know, I don't know about you when you discipline your kids. You don't want to do it, and, but you have to. You've got you to put a structure there, you, but you're loving them through it. It doesn't change. My love for my boys, my sons, doesn't change. Um, no matter what they're doing, it stays consistent. It stays loving. Uh, Hebrews 12, 5 through 6 says... And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as a, dis- as a discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. There is a love there that even though there's a a consequence of the discipline, he still loves us no matter what. What I want to talk about and focus on is the love of Jesus this morning. If you're not a Christian in this place, not optional. Get, take a seat back, enjoy the service, not optional. How many of you are Christians in this place? Majority? Mandatory. No option. It's a, it's a period. If you're not a Christian, again, it's optional. What Jesus said is required. It's mandatory. We're going to look at two passages where the Sadducees and the Pharisees could not stand each other, a group of people, but they came together and what they wanted to do was trap Jesus. Sadducees tried to trap Jesus asking about the resurrection. In these verses, now the Pharisees take their turn. In Matthew twenty-two thirty-four through 40, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with, his, with this question. Teach what is the most important commandment in the law of Moses. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Second, get this, you can highlight that, is equally as important. Not one is better than the other. Second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments, Matthew 28:34. For most Christians, love is mainly vertical. You hear this all the time. Hey, me and God have a thing going on. You know, you, God knows my heart. But if you want to be honest, it's not vertical usually. It's usually the love of God to us. Because so many times we've turned our back again. We've rebelled. We've, we've been faithless in different areas. But God has continually loved us in that. Jesus asked the greatest commandment. His response, love God, but doesn't stop there. A second is equally as important. Love your neighbor. How many of you love your neighbor in this place? Do you actually know your neighbor? You know, I am so blessed that my neighbor has my key and I have her key. And what's so awesome, she doesn't doesn't come to church, but we have such a relationship. And when Julio was in the hospital, she didn't call me to ask me just this unconditional love. She actually went to my house, opened my door, took my dog a bath, and she went into my chony door and took some stuff out that I needed and some my, my pants drawers. It was crazy matching, but it was, it was the heart. And, and you know, she, she brought it to me because she knew I'd be in the hospital for a while. And she didn't even stop there. She actually asked the nurses that our dog was going crazy crying for Julio because he, he was really close to him. And so what she did is she said, can we bring him in? And she said, we can't do that. And she said, you know what? Let's take him through the back. We'll bring him in. So my neighbor put a scarf on him and washed him up. And I don't think, I, I don't think he's ever been that clean. We never did that. <laughs> and we snuck him into the hospital. The nurses allowed us to sneak him in so that he can say goodbye to his master. That is unconditional love. The love of your neighbor You know, it's just, I I am just so grateful. And a lot of times we don't do that. There's a condition behind it. But loving somebody, unconditional is, is what we need to have. Unconditional, when you can love the one that God has made, regardless of what they've made of themselves. Regardless. Doesn't matter what they're doing. Doesn't matter what they're going through, but to love them. You know, I, I, I praise God because I work in a, in a facility where it's loving the unlovable. I work with, uh, with murderers, child molesters, physical abusers, and I don't look at their rap sheet. Uh, me and Eileen, we both work there. We don't, we don't look at their rap sheet before we meet them. Uh, they become our clients. We don't look at them as inmates. And we spend time with them, and we begin to look at their family dynamics, their history, how long have you been using And we begin to dissect that unconditionally. And man, what God does in that. And a lot of them are playing games. But there are some that really want Jesus. When you can reach out and love them regardless of what they've done and uh, and where they've been. It's just important that you love others as, as that you love God. God comes first. But loving God is not the only thing. John says in one of the letters that if we can't, in 1 John 4.20, if we can't love others, you can't love God. You can't love God. If you can't love others, if you can't love your enemy, every person in here, every color, every race, every culture, we all bleed the same. God made us in his image. And if you segregate or you put other, well, I'll love these people, but I won't love these people, They're all God's creation. Isn't it hard? 
It's hard, isn't it? I'm not going to say it's easy, but it's something that he demands us to do, commands us. You know what's sad about your neighbors or people that outside of work, co-workers? Some people won't come to church because as Christians, we treat our family and others poorly throughout the week. And then we come to church and praise God. Isn't that happened? Like nothing happened. Like nothing ever happened. We come in, you become a Sunday saint, but a daily devil. Who you live and who you are in your workplace, in the schooling, the way you talk to your husband, your wife, the way you talk to your kids, and then you want them to come to church and lift up their hands and praise God. I told you, I didn't know if you guys were going to want me here. <laughs> come on. Do you know who are the hardest people for me to love? This is something that's personal. I'm going to get honest. Please don't tell anybody. <laughs> but this is the hardest people for me to love are the ones that abuse kids, that abuse women, and who are disrespectful to their spouse. That is really hard for me. And I had to pray and say, God, let me see. And you know why it was so hard? Because I became self-righteous and I realized I did the same thing. Probably not as deep, but I would talk behind women's back, backbite, gossip. My kids, I, I emotionally, I would put them down. I would, you know, just telling them, you need to do this. What's wrong with you? Just as bad. And I demasculated and demeaned my husband. And here, I get clean and sober, and I'm doing good, and I'm serving God. And all of a sudden, I become self-righteous and look at you like, how come you guys are doing that? And I begin to pray and say, God, change my heart. Renew my mind. God, help me to think like you do. And when I began to do that, you know what happened? God put me in Pitch's Detention Center <laughs> with people that abuse their kids, mistreat women. Same thing. But because you look through spiritual eyes, don't forget where you came from. Galatians 5, 6, if you are a follower of Jesus, it makes no difference whether you are circumcised or not. All that matters is your faith that makes you love others. There is a question that I believe we consistently need to ask each other. It will bring out the best in our family. And a lot of times we don't want to ask this question. What does loving God require of me? Not of you. What does loving God require of me? We don't want to ask those questions. When God ans answered that question, it cost him his son. When Jesus answered that question, it cost him his life. Jesus pointed to doing something that not just believing, something as a t distinguishing mark of his followers. Loving the unlovable. When people hurt you, speak bad of you, betray you, offend you, and annoy you, you'll do one of two things. You'll do what's right, or you'll fight for your rights. Can I ask you something? What's better, to be right or to be well? Because what it does for you, when you don't begin to love and express that love unconditionally, it brews inside of you. It brews resentment physical ailments, headaches, anxiety, depression, insomnia, eczema, arthritis, holding on to that and not being able to let it go. I was talking to someone the other day and 
to grasp this was so hard because he had been homeless for eight years. And so what he did is he's learned to survive. He, he, he said, I, I don't think about people. I hate people because they've hurt me. I just want to survive. That's all I want to do. I want to survive. Tell me how to survive. That's all I need to do. He, it, it, the, the, the hatred and the anger of what society has done to him and what he's allowed, it, it's destroyed him. And this guy's going on existing eight years being homeless. And he said, my basic survival is just, I want to get food. That's all I think about. I don't care about loving people. I don't want kids. I hate kids. So how do you work with someone like that? You got to start from the bottom and not an expectation, unconditional love, unmerited favor. They don't deserve it, but you love unconditionally to bring their bottom up. That's the only way you're going to love someone like that. You're probably thinking, you don't know my husband, though. You don't know my kids, though. You don't know my mom, my sister, my mother-in-law, my brother-in-law. You don't know. If you knew, oh, believe me, if you guys know my story, you guys know. I know what it's like to forgive unconditionally. The lady that hit, uh, hit me in my car accident, my son was three months old, and she was a drunk driver had DUI, shouldn't have been driving. And what I did is I begged the judge for mercy. I told him because, because of what she's done, now her kids are affected. Can you please have mercy on this lady so that her kids aren't affected? And he had her do, go to uh, jail on the weekends. Oh, believe me, I know what it's like, unconditional love. But that wasn't for her. It was for her, but it was also for me. Because if I held on to that, I wouldn't be up here today. Loving unconditional, no matter what. First Peter 4.8. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. You are covering their sin, sin when it is undeserved. Do you know why unconditional love is necessary? Because others are going to disappoint, mess up, do what's wrong, hurt us, betray us, unappreciate us, annoy us. But loving them like Jesus loved us will bring out the best. My husband's boss, um, my husband living for God, she, she gave him this. And it says, live in such a way that, these, that those who know you but don't know God will come to know God because they know you. Isn't that awesome? Those that don't know God, you don't have to preach judgment. You, all you got to do is live it. Don't declare it. Live it. My husband might not, not have ever known God if I didn't love him unconditionally. Might not. He said the only Jesus he ever saw was in my life. But I wasn't always like that. Like I said, I was mean, demeaning, demasculating. But I asked God, let me see him through your eyes. Let me love him through your eyes. And God began to show me somebody different. Matthew 25, 31 says, I want to finish with this scripture. When the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a sheep separates as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right hand 
He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you, lo- and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes or clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, truly I tell you, Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Don't turn them aside. The unlovable. Don't push them aside. You know, me and Eileen are going to be meeting with um, my boss. It's not a Christian organization. And she said, yeah, we want to give a couple of, uh, of inmates, we want to give, uh, give their kids some gifts. And me and Eileen, how are you going to give three gifts out of 150? How are you going to do that? Or 300 and just give five, you know, gifts to their kids. And I said, give, give us the job. Give us the job. We'll make sure it happens. She goes, well, we're not going to pay for your gas. I go, if they go as far as to Palmdale or if they go as far as to Compton, we're going. We're going. And so pray with us because we're meeting with her because we want to love them unconditionally, unmeasured, unmerited. Don't deserve it for their kids and give them gifts for this Christmas. Something we want to do. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believeth on him would not perish, but have everlasting life. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart, and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but he didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, Transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you and now you have a new life in him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Day Spring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.